You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. Hey, Mickey. I see you've got some Lysol there. Correct. Uh, why do you, why do yeah. you have Lysol, Mickey? Why um, do you have Lysol, Mickey? Because Joe Biden is disinfecting the White House, or is going to disinfect the White House. And I'm sure he appreciates the metaphor of fumigating the White House, but I think it's actually real. He is known to be completely paranoid about uh, getting the virus because his wife thinks it will kill him. And she's not crazy. He's very old. Um, so this leads me to my other other the other aspect where he's being incredibly defensive and cautious and paranoid. Which good, is good transition there. That was really our, I didn't even notice that. Our crack I know it was seamless. Our crackpot theory of the day. Mickey, I will say for the benefit of our listening audience, is <laughs> is donning his tinfoil hat again. Which allows me to subtly distance myself from the crackpot theories I'm about to spout. But if if you notice his cabinet picks, Bob, yeah, there and everybody notices immediately they're his friends. They're people yes. he knows. Okay? We've observed that in past podcasts. We have. Yes, I have. Because because between the between the two podcasts, he appointed another friend, uh, General Austin, who who is good friends with his son Bo, and with him, he bonded with, with him. He bonded okay, with so, Austin over okay, Iraq. So, yeah. So there's there's another friend, right? And Tom Vilsack, another friend, right? Uh, as Secretary of Agriculture, and there's a Vilsack angle I'll get to later. But um, why might he want friends to occupy cabinet positions? Well, the theory I floated, well, I was talking about this after a few picks, um, you know, including Tony Blink and Jake Sullivan, people he had worked with uh, closely. Um, I, I, well, what's your theory? I, I don't really. My, mine is a little slightly unseemly. <laughs> I'm sure the, yours won't mine, be. mine is the Twenty Fifth Amendment. Uh, well, if okay, he's, yeah. If he's if he's if he's worried about being removed from office because of his evident cognitive decline, it should it happen. The way Senator Feinstein is being hounded out of office, even as we speak, uh, it helps to have friends in cabinet positions because the cabinet is what votes on the Twenty Fifth Amendment. In other words. Uh, Jake Sullivan doesn't vote because he's not in the cabinet. He's not going to mm-hmm. be in the cabinet. But Blink, all the cabinet officials, there are 15 of them. They vote. Uh, and uh, so far, he's got like four friends there. He only needs like four more. And he has a major, a solid majority. So he cannot be, uh, uh, you know, booted out of office uh, frivolously, uh, you know, by suppose the left decides, well, We'd rather have Kamala Harris than this senile old guy, and they and they mount a Feinstein-like campaign against him. This is his insurance policy, just as disinfecting the White House is his insurance policy. Yeah, well, when I when I talked about this in the context of Sullivan and Blinken, I didn't mention the Twenty Fifth Amendment. I wasn't even thinking about it. I did say I did mention Biden's cognitive status and. If you don't remember my mentioning this, maybe Biden's cognitive status isn't the only person's cognitive status we should be talking about. But that aside, 
Um, I had what I had in mind. Yes, you you deserve a repost. Yes, no, well, <laughs> no, 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 no. But maybe I should hand you the tinfoil hat. Here you go, Bob. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Through the magic of television. Um, um, so, uh, but no, I just had in mind like kind of keeping it a secret. I didn't have in mind the full fledged, you know, kind of Maginot line against the Twenty Fifth Amendment. Um, but. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, the Washington Post had a piece, I think, noting how many of these people are c- close, trusted associates of Biden's. Um, and now there are people, look, it's a natural inclination to want people you can trust in your administration. I think too much of it can be a bad thing. And this is, of course, sheer conjecture, our, our, our related theories I, about it. Yes, I actually stole it from Mark Krikorian, uh, uh, an immigration activist. I didn't realize I had, but then I looked back and realized. You like, actually so, stole it from like, me, half of it from me, but you didn't realize that either, apparently. You didn't have the 25th Amendment angle. I buddy. know. That's why I said half of it. Well, that was my angle. But I, I think it's interesting that only the, 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 the Constitution says the principal officers of the, of the executive departments, and that has been interpreted to mean only the 15 cabinet members. I don't think it even includes the gratuitous cabinet members like John Kerry, ambassador for global warming, or uh, you know, the ambassador of the United Nations who was elevated to the cabinet, or or the uh, national intelligence director. I think it's really just those 15. Um, Does that include Neera Tandon at OMB? It's a very good question. I was assuming yes, but I don't think so. You know, uh, some some uh, internet archi- list. some internet archivist delivered to me on Twitter the now deleted near attendant tweet to which I replied, which I alluded to during last week's podcast. So that is that was not lost to posterity. So the entire exchange between me and near attendant, which got a little bitter, is now available to future historians. But we'll talk about that in the pair room because I don't actually have it right here. I'll have to dig it up. Was this about? Nira Tannen knuckling under the to the Israel lobby? No, that was different. We did talk about that last yeah. week. However, but here's my my what I want to say is like if you're even talking about the Biden administration as if there is going to be such a thing, that suggests you did not listen to Steve Bannon's podcast today. Is that, that true? That's true. Um, okay, uh, you, I, I, your mind has been poisoned by listening to Steve you Bannon's might podcast think, every day. You might think he's disheartened. After all, on Monday. These states will actually choose their electors, as I understand it. And after that, the train is very hard to stop unless you hope that the Supreme Court in dealing with this Texas attorney general's lawsuit that has now been joined by everyone except for you and me, all the rest of the universe is party to this lawsuit. Um, Unless you think that that lawsuit is going to be successful, you might think that things are approaching hopeless for Steve Bannon. Is that what you would think? You might think, although I don't understand all these safe harbor and electoral college voting uh, deadlines, it seems to me they can all be voided at the last minute by Congress. Well, before I tell you how Steve Bannon is going to keep uh, Joe Biden from being president, let me give you my understanding of safe harbor. It is very complicated. Safe harbor, harbor happened on Tuesday. I think one thing it apparently does is that if a state sends two rival delegations of electors to Congress, which has happened, 
Right. So, and I guess that would be the case now if, for example, the state legislature in, say, Pennsylvania or Michigan sent a different set of electors. The, the, the one that was already in place by safe harbor is given preference. So in other words, it's, I think it's too late for state legislators to do that unless they do a more dramatic version that probably needs sign off from the government, governor or something. But but, but anyway. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. It's very confusing. And, and then even, but even after Monday, it's actually alarmingly easy. It seems to me for Congress to intervene in January. It can't happen this time because Democrats control the House. But apparently, uh, if a, if one senator and one representative raise objections to any given state's delegation, then that, then the whole Senate and House get involved. And I think they have the power to really do serious meddling. Again, it can't happen this time because, uh, the, the houses are not both in Republican control, but uh, this whole thing seems unduly messy and and all the more reason i mean i mean first of all don't you think this whole mess is all the more reason to get rid of the electoral college just do the popular vote we would um, not be going through this and there would be no incentive to do fraud because you'd have to do it on such a large centralized scale for it to make a difference if there weren't a few swing states where 30,000 votes could swing it you could do fraud on a large scale i i but you'd uh, have to you'd have to is my point Right. No, I understand. But um, I tend to like the Electoral College, but I, I agree that the Constitution's machinery is incredibly clumsy. Uh, there has to be some machinery if you have the Electoral College. There has to be some machinery if you have the popular vote. Who certifies the popular vote? Who counts it? Et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's so, not hard um, to do. Uh, I, I, but there, there are a lot of opportunities for mischief with the states setting the delegations and Congress accepting the delegations. And, it's a mess. You know, um, anyway, none of this it, matters. It, it will probably turn out that the final, the, uh, the way to make it simple is to say, you know, so and so assert, determines who wins and the Supreme Court approves it and boom, it's done. But anyway, sorry, go ahead. Anyway, none of this matters because Steve, Steve Bannon has a, a, a plan that works along a totally different channel, and I'm about to share that with you. I'm excited. Now, you've heard that Hunter Biden is being investigated for income tax evasion. Yeah, we'll get to that. Well, we're getting to it now, apparently, because this figures into <laughs> Steve Bannon's plan. So Rudy Giuliani, who, by the way, has, for better or worse, recovered from COVID, uh, is on the Bannon show. This morning and Bannon says, do you think William Barr should should appoint a special prosecutor to investigate Hunter and Joe Biden, you know, and all the shenanigans in in, in China to insulate the investigation from, you know, meddling by the Biden administration Justice Department? Rudy says, yeah. Bannon says, would would you be willing to serve as a special prosecutor? Rudy says, yeah. <laughs> There's this is only he Bannon needs three three yeses and he's got two of them. And the next question is based on what you know now, just based on the Hunter Biden hard drive with which you're intimately familiar, do you think you could bring an indictment against Joe Biden before inauguration day? Rudy's like, sure, I can do that. He says, he says it would be a streamlined indictment. It wouldn't be the full indictment that I would do for all 30 years of criminal activity by Joe Biden. 
But I can do that. But what so that's that the accomplish? plan. So we, so we elected an indicted president. No, you're right. I guess it won't work. But I was thinking, like, mm-hmm. if he were in prison, it would be harder. It would be harder to govern. Well, that's a secondary consideration. Uh, he has <laughs> okay. to be convicted before he goes to prison. Uh, if I imagine if he had said, and could you get a conviction before? An, I mean, Rudy no, was in a very pliable state. There is a, a right to a speedy trial, and that would be a speedy trial. Yeah, you don't want to uh, deprive him of constitutional <laughs> rights. As Edward Better Williams says, the the least exercised right in the Constitution is the right to a speedy trial. Um, uh, so that's ultimately unconvincing. I'm so disappointed. My theory is, my theory is Biden is getting the credit for all the all the good things that are happening with COVID and the vaccine. It's like he's already president and he's issued his plan for a hundred. 100 million vaccines in 100 days and 100 days of mask wearing. Mm-hmm. Now, there's science, right, as somebody pointed out. It's weird how the science comes out to 100 every time, 100, 100, 100. It, it's almost Well, that's if, how many they bought, I think. Well, actually, no, it's not. But anyway, no, it's a, it's a It's a number plucked out of the air for PR reasons. It's like yeah. George Bush ending the Iraq War one, George H.W. Bush, after 100 hours, which was mm-hmm. stupid. It's an arbitrary figure. Anyway, um, uh, uh He's everybody's sort of assuming Biden's already president, so he's getting credit for the things that are happening. By the time of January twentieth, he will have done so much he doesn't really need to take the oath of office. He will have his work is done. Uh, so he is it's the ultimate filer faster thesis. He doesn't have he's elected, but things happen so fast that he doesn't really have That's to. That's good because he's going to be in the slammer. I'm telling you, man, this plan <laughs> is airtight. Um, so uh. Well, I'm good to. I'm glad to know that. There's, there's one other. Your Bob, your cognitive decline is evident. Um, <laughs> I know that it really is. I'd like to talk about <laughs> that in the parrot room. Uh, so is mine. Uh, who am I speaking to, please? No. Uh, the Are you going to bring up no, Shelley Berman? That was a Shelley Berman routine. Who am I speaking to, please? Um, okay. We talked about that. Uh, the. The. Uh, one way to interpret this this jihad against Senator Feinstein is as a war, as a warning shot to Biden. And if the left can take out California senior senator on grounds of cognitive decline, Biden better worry about himself about being taken out himself for reasons of cognitive I think decline. Should... And they're not going to they're not going to do it, but it gives the left it gives the left more power. You know, Biden has to satisfy them just to keep them calm and happy. Uh, so it's, it's not like it's ever going to happen. It's just one of these, uh, you know, uh, uh, ways of influencing Biden to appoint more progressive and to pursue more progressive policies or else. I think I, you should I think you should put your tinfoil hat back on. This seems a little. <laughs> this. Um, but by the way, speaking tweeted, of the name, I tweeted it out. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it was. uh there, I got a couple of Mickey, this is beneath yous, but I always got those. I, I, they may have been in regards to that theory. But, you do, um, uh, yeah. Uh, actually, this is far from the thing that's been most, most beneath you. This is compared to some other things. This is, uh, was pretty lofty in aspiration. And, yeah. um, the, thank you. You know, Bob. I knew, I knew Diane Feinstein's daughter. I think that was a backhanded compliment. I knew, I knew you know, Diane Feinstein's I daughter think, in sixth grade. I only I mentioned that. Yeah, I detected an undercurrent of hostility there. Uh, no, there was no such thing. And we're supposed uh, to be bros. We are bros. This is a bro show. 
Right. So what? So anyway, this is like I, Joe Rogan uses us as a role model. I, I think Joe Rogan watches us for inspiration. So well, you were just about to talk to us about something. Uh, nothing significant. I, I knew Diane Feinstein's daughter in, in, oh. in, in, uh, in, in sixth grade. I, I only, it only came to mind because you mentioned Shelley Berman and her last name was Berman because Feinstein's uh, first name. I had, I had, I had, I mean, I, I, I respect Feinstein like everybody else. I've had two interactions with her. One, uh, uh, I had a, this wacky friend of my mom's. Uh, was a distant relative of hers and had fallen on hard times and was living in the desert uh, without a bunch of money. And, and Feinstein actually helped her out. Hmm. I was impressed with that. I've always uh, thought highly of Feinstein. Uh, and and, 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 uh, and, and I, I thought this woman would get nowhere, and she did get nowhere. And and I also saw I saw her talk at the funeral of Camp Kawada, who was a great guy, a, a political, uh, political aide, in part to her, I think, but to the Democratic Party. He's the guy who came up to me after I ran for Senate and said, Mickey, I think, I thought your campaign would have more oomph. <laughs> okay, so A lot of us did. He was, these politicos are, thanks, Bob. Bro. No, um, I, it wasn't. Uh, I wouldn't call it a failure. It should have had more oomph. He was right, but it was blunt. These Could politicos have. are blunt. Anyway, she gave a talk. She was completely coherent. She revealed at the talk that we had killed Osama bin Laden. That was the day we'd killed Osama bin Laden. Uh, and so, she, you know, back she, then... She announced... She said it before Obama said it? Correct. Hmm. She's on the Intelligence Committee. Okay. It was just a... It was just a small group of Cam Kawada's 150 closest friends. Hmm. <laughs> so, um, and um, it was re it was revealed hours later. But um, she seemed totally on top of it. So... The cognitive decline wasn't evident then, and this whole this whole thing reeks of a of a hit job. No, but uh, Mickey, apparently, I mean, I didn't read that much of the New Yorker piece about this, but at some committee hearing, she read the same question twice in a row with no awareness that she was doing that. It was apparently it was like super awkward. I think it was uh, it was Jack of Twitter. Who, who very yes. gamely repeated his answer twice without saying anything awkward, like, um, you know, didn't I just answer that question? But yeah. so it became kind of a public thing. I mean, not to undermine your latest conspiracy theory, but I think it's like some journalist was almost bound to address it. Yeah, that's, that's now, bad. I've, I've seen, I've seen senators, they routinely read questions and mispronounce words and it becomes obvious they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. So they're they're often mm. embarrassing moments at hearings like that where uh, people are reading prepared. That I think this was a lengthy question, but they're they're also uh, if they weren't out to get her, they wouldn't have made an issue of it. If she hadn't hugged Lindsey Graham or and didn't they they weren't sort of. Well, out I now I now feel reason. I now feel bad about having uh, ridiculed her for that and 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 complained about it. Because uh, politically it was a bad move, but now I, I think you know you, you have to only have sympathy. But the, I mean, the, the Occam's razor in this is not my tinfoil hat conspiracy, but it is. Jane Mayer has written a lot about the Supreme Court and Supreme Court nominees. She's very tight with the liberal opponents of conservative justices, and they're pissed at Diane Feinstein. So they got they, you know, made this story became evident to Jane. So that's why she published it. Uh, it, it doesn't have to be a larger conspiracy than that. 
Here's it, it, so speaking of the Supreme Court, th- this I, I think in a way it's good that Texas has brought this case and because it it may provide a kind of a climax to the whole thing. That, yeah. So, but do you, have a, do you have a sense for the timing? Like, when is the Supreme Court? Because Monday is the day, right? The the uh, with the electors, as I said. Would you have any sense for when the Supreme Court might do something? No, you'd think they'd want to do it by Monday. You would think, but, and uh, and now, are you as confident as, as everyone else that they're going to swat this thing down? Yes, I mean, I if you read, if you read the arguments against it, you become convinced that well, maybe there is something to it because the arguments actually aren't that convincing. But the idea that they're going to, you know, the, the idea that they're going to overthrow an election because of it is insane. So yes, I think it'll be swatted down. Well, I mean, it would, the be, other- it would be an, it would be a, a a rather dramatic expansion of uh, of the Constitution to sort of equalize vote provisions in every state. Uh, well, yeah, I, I mean, they're, plus, about, they're not about to mark on that. I, I mean, I mean. So the basic idea I gather is that the Constitution says state legislatures should determine the manner in which the electors are chosen. And in these four states, uh, other actors, governor, uh, secretary of state, in some cases the clerks, um, did things that, according to this argument, um, you know, were, were rightly the, the, the job of the state legislature in, in the sense of, you know, uh, moderating, the, modifying the rules by which this or that happened or signatures were verified or whatever. I think it's a hell of a coincidence that the four states that Texas thinks did this are the four states, uh, where Biden won by a slim, um, <clears throat> majority. They- in other words, I, I, you know, I'm sure if you looked at, all the states, most of them are probably doing stuff like this. And in fact, Texas, of course, the governor, who is not the state legislature, laid down this rule that you can only have one drop-off box per county, which if you've ever seen the size of some counties in Texas is kind of crazy. I think he claimed to be restoring the legislative rule uh, from what it was before. I don't know. Anyway, the, I don't think they pretend – they don't pretend to have looked at every state. Of course, they're, Of course, they're going after the ones that are crucial. To overturning the election, do they pretend otherwise? Do they claim well, don't, to have done a don't you think it undermines review of? Don't you think it kind of undermines the case if all of these states that are saying their voters were deprived equal protection or whatever the hell it is by virtue of what these four states did are themselves doing the same thing? Don't doesn't that actually, in a logical sense, undermine the case? No, because it's still unequal. <laughs> I mean, if you, once you once you start talking about equality. You're, you 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 open up the door to incredible intrusion. So their uh, argument because, then is they these the states be, they violate the law a little more than Texas did, or you know. No, I mean, but yeah, but I'm saying yeah. it wouldn't turn out to be more in, in many of these cases. Obviously, that's, this is that's a for the court to decide, Bob. And, and by the way, I mean, <laughs> as far as whether the problem is the is how dramatic the remedy is, I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but I wouldn't think you'd have to go that far. To swat this down, because I think the Constitution says the state should determine, I think the line is, the manner in which the, the electors are selected. Remember, at, at, at that point, it wasn't the norm that a popular vote would do it. So if a state says, if a state legislature says the electors will be chosen by popular vote, uh, that is choosing the manner in which. And, 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 right. and, and they could say by majority or they could say plurality. Right. It, it's not clear that the Constitution... 
Constitution right. meant that the state legislature should regulate every aspect of the manner in which right. they are chosen, right? So it seems to me this thing is totally uh, – but but I, I would – yeah, it, go ahead. It's, I think it's, it's – it's, all they're asking is for the, 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 that the states send their own electors now. They ignore the election and send their own electors. That's still quite a big step. Um, it, 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 it's a bogus, it, it's a loser suit. It's not going to go anywhere. It shouldn't go anywhere. I'm just saying that it wasn't completely like aliens from, it wasn't Bannon-esque. It didn't say aliens from outer space came and stole our election. I, I still say that if you took a close look at, at the laws of all these states and the rules of all these states, the, the suit would basically boil down to we are suing these states because they are violating the Constitution in a slightly different manner than we are violating it. And that leads right. to unequal protection. Well, that that is just crazy right. on that, the face of it. And there are a bunch of equal protection cases, I'm sure, that are, are very similar. You have a big trial and you decide you, you see who's more unequal than anybody else. You know, if it was a case of voting rights, you'd say. It's not a defense for depriving blacks of voting rights that some other states also deprive blacks of voting rights. You could still bring that suit. You'd have a big trial would last five years. And, at the, you know, five years when Biden isn't president, then you have a new election. So it's like so it's so, it's, it's not I don't think it's I don't think your argument is that powerful, but it's a crazy lawsuit. They you know, so it's going to be thrown. Right, out. I'll settle for that. Now, do you think that. A, it will be a unanimous ruling, and B, that the justices sensing the importance of this moment and and like how divided the country is will 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 swat it down, you know, along with a with an opinion that kind of does maximal damage in a sense to the, no, the claims of fraud. You don't think so? You don't think I it'll think be they... a rhetorically powerful? No. It'll, they'll deny it, and it, it's also it's more powerful if they just deny it in a piece of scrap paper that they leave on the front porch. I don't, I don't agree. Uh, I don't uh, agree. I think if if there could be a nine to zero ruling, saying that you know, kind of implying that there's just a lot of people out there in I, in in Trump world who uh, are full of shit. I think that would be a disaster because the people in Trump world hate experts lecturing them on how crazy they are. Well, it would it's depend much better on... if they just lose. You think so? This, I guy, mean... Kre- this guy Krebs saying, I'm sitting on, on top of the federal bureaucracy. I can assure you that it was the safest election ever. Well, he doesn't know that. And, 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 and what, people react against that because they know he doesn't know that. He's just pontificating. Uh, and the Supreme Court would just be doing the same thing. I mean, I, I think there is something, I think there's a way the Supreme Court could say it that would be effective. But I grant that in the end, it's a trade-off. It's like they could say something that would convince people who are kind of on the fence, you know, Republicans who are kind of on the fence about about the legitimacy of this whole thing and could move them back toward, you know, kind of my side, but might at the same time deepen the alienation of the hardcore. I, I, I grant that. Everybody who's on the fence that could be moved back to your side has been moved back to your side. I disagree. Side. I disagree. They've had people lecturing them for four years. If no. they're still with Trump, they're going to stay with Trump until it decays naturally. No, no. I mean, I mean, I'm not talking about whether with or against Trump. I mean, whether they believe there was fraud. And I don't believe that all of the persuadables have been persuaded uh, for what various Supre- reasons. What, how does, what does the Supreme Court know about whether there's fraud or not? 
It doesn't. It would no, be I'm, I'm, not saying it, I'm not saying it should opine explicitly on whether it's fraud. I, I mean, there are things it can say suggesting that a lot of the activity you're seeing is frivolous uh, and without foundation, without passing judgment on the fraud question per se. But Sounds I mean, look, fraught. But you know, you're not as concerned as I am about this to begin with. And, and well, this is this is one of the big things we wanted to. One of the two big issues we have to discuss is one: is the public permanently poisoned in a way that threatens democracy because it thinks the election was stolen because a large segment does? And two: will Trump fade away? I think those are the two big issues this week. Well, the so numbers. Let's talk about. Let's talk about number one. The numbers say that many, many, they're close to half the country, I think, right now, kind of thinks uh, there was fraud, right? Isn't that kind of the numbers you've been seeing? I guess there, I guess there are, I, you know, 80% of the Republicans think there was fraud. I, I don't know if, if it's half the country. Uh, the I mean, you know, 80% of African-Americans thought OJ was innocent, okay? That was right after the trial. How many think he's still innocent? Very few, I think. It, it decayed quite significantly. So this will decay or it won't decay. I mean, it'll be, you know, one of the, one of the interesting. <laughs> I agree of, with that. Well, no, I think, I think you've, no, I mean, you've done a good job of underscoring the, the basic possibility. You know, there are a lot of people who thought that, you know, Nixon had beaten Kennedy. And I, I tweeted something about it and, and our friend. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Yeah, no. The cognitive uh, decline is 25th evident. Amendment. I'm invoking the 25th <laughs> Amendment. Uh, Greenberg. David Greenberg. David Greenberg. There you go. Uh, David Greenberg. Who am I speaking to? David <laughs> Greenberg, uh, has written about this and convinced me that, uh, while there was some fraud, sort of, sort of like now, there was low level fraud maybe, but it wasn't enough to overturn the election. Uh, and that's the way it's going to be forever. People are going to say there's low-level fraud, but it probably wasn't enough to overturn the election. Some people are going to say it was enough to overturn the election. Was Kennedy widely perceived as an illegitimate president? No. no Has Kennedy because, gone down and did the country fall apart? No, it didn't fall apart. Because A, there's, there's a lot of... Because the, A, the, Nixon didn't do what Trump is doing. And B, Nixon didn't have this large base of people whose whole narrative is we are being persecuted by elites who are lying to us. Okay? Right. Totally incomparable situations. This has no relationship to 1960 whatsoever. Nothing Not completely like incomparable. Nothing like it. Actually, what Greenberg, Greenberg has done some research and, and notes that uh, Nixon did contest the election. He just had his minions do it while he pretended to be above it. I agree that's different. That's but very he, different. But he did contest it. Um, all I'm saying is that, that, that we can have... You know, in Bush versus Gore, I mean, was was also certainly tainted. I, I tend to think if Gore had played his cards right, he would have won the recount. So, of course, Bush was tainted. The country went on. It didn't fall apart. Uh, and and so I'm, I'm just... But again, this Gore, is another, Gore another did the exactly of, right thing instead of exactly the wrong thing. That matters. And he wasn't going to spend the next four years, as we know Trump will trying to nurture this particular grievance. Well, I think it'll be part of his catechism that I really won, et cetera, et cetera. You think? He does have the money to do it. He's raised over $200 million. I'm told maybe $250 million, uh, which he can spend mostly on himself if he wants in, in the course yeah. of contesting it. So that gives him a strong financial incentive to keep it up. I mean, plus the country's uh, way more polarized now than it was in 2000. 
we've already had a number of, of deaths, you know, people with guns killing people on the other side. This is just a completely different situation. Plus, the, the balkanized media did not exist in 2000. It's a totally different landscape. And can I just <clears throat> take you briefly into Bannon land and tell you the kind of stuff that's going on there? So, like, but because I do think that is like, that is representative of what's going on in what is now a large media ecosystem, especially as people migrate, as the hardcore migrate from Fox to like One America News and Newsmax. And, you know, Bannon is representative of what's being told to a lot of people. And can I just say a little something about this truck driver? Have you, you've, I, I alluded to the truck driver. Have you heard about the truck driver? I think we talked about the truck driver last week. Okay. And, and believe me, a lot of Americans are very aware of him because he's become this icon. Okay. He what did claims, he allege again? He claims that, that apparently he, I guess he was a contract driver for the U.S. Postal Service. He claims he had a truck full of ballots, picked them up in New York, was told to drive them to Pennsylvania. So we're already in weird territory here because that shouldn't happen. And then he parks the truck uh, in Pennsylvania and the truck is stolen. Now, First, let me tell you some things about this guy that uh, nobody in Bannon land is being told. And and this is partly, I think, the mainstream media's fault. There should be, like in the New York Times, well, there should be a piece in the New York Times about this whole thing. On the other hand, part of the problem we face is that the New York Times and CNN and the Washington Post and so on have, by joining the resistance four years ago, reduced whatever credibility they would have had in Trump world, which might never have been a lot, but still they've reduced it. And that's part of the problem that that they're not seen as honest brokers here. Anyway, let me just tell you. So this guy's name is Jesse Morgan. And he's become Bannon's had him on twice this week. They're having protests in New York where supposedly he picked up the ballots regularly and Bannon covers them. Now, here are some things they're not being told in Bannon land. This guy, Jesse Morgan, A, he's a ghost hunter. Who, who did a film called The Shadows Amongst Us. He filmed it with his smartphone, and, and it's available on Amazon, where he claims to document that a shadow person, quote, was sighted in his basement. There's footage of the alleged shadow person, which apparently looks somewhat the way a regular person would look with a costume on. But anyway, it's a fleeting glimpse, so could be. He tells you, like, how you... I can't believe you haven't watched this video. I mean, I, I'm, I, I'll get... You're, I, I, you're look, supposed to go the extra mile. There's a long audience. weekend ahead. There is the Army-Navy game. Mickey, who do we root for in the Army-Navy game? I have Army. no idea. Army, Army. is a correct, Army okay. is a correct answer. But, but, but that will leave me time to do it. Okay. He, he tells you what you need to recite to make the shadow people go away. Okay, fine. It, and now I'm reading from a news account. In 2006, Morgan pleaded guilty to forgery... Since the five years probation, served six months. In 2008, a judge resentenced him to a year and a half in prison, according to court records. In 2019, his wife uh, filed for protection from abuse. He had done several things, put a tracker on her phone, tried to poison her by putting medication she's allergic to on her pizza. Court documents associated with this uh, say that uh, this truck driver... Uh, had been uh, involuntarily committed for mental health reasons, quote, about five times. He's threatened to kill himself on multiple occasions. Okay. And and it's weird because when Bannon first alluded, when this guy first showed up, Bannon said, and yeah, there's this truck driver. Now, I've heard like he's got a record or something, but we'll see. Well, that was the last we heard about the record because it turned out the record is completely undermines his his credibility. 
And now Bannon is turning him into a hero. And I want to I want to play you what Bannon said uh, today. Oh, the other thing is when this guy comes on Bannon's show, you know, there was a, a, a flurry of enthusiasm when people heard that, hey, the FBI and the U.S. Postal Service investigators are, are investigating his claims. Well, when you hear this guy talk about the investigation, it's clear that what they're investigating is whether they can indict him for issuing a false affidavit, right? right? So, um, and this is what Bannon is complaining about. You know, apparently these investigators, like, ask this guy, Jesse Morgan, um, uh, you know, well, how did you get hooked up with this? There's a guy named Phil Klein who, who I guess, uh, unveiled Morgan and brought him on stage. So uh, I hope this is loud enough, but here's... Uh, this is the way uh, Bannon is is describing uh, the guy I just described. So again, because nobody in the Justice Department, nobody's reached out to the to the driver, Jesse Morgan, another hero. He stepped forward. He stepped forward. Not one thing. They all want to know how did you meet Phil Klein? Boy, how did you get on stage with Phil Klein? That's what they want to know. They want to know how he got his word the word out there. That's what they want to do. They want to suppress it all. Because Jesse Morgan is just some grandoon. Jesse Morgan is just some working stiff. Jesse Morgan is just a deplorable. He doesn't count in their world. They just want to keep his mouth shut and keep driving your truck and pay your taxes. Oh, yeah, and go, oh, and go serve in these overseas wars. That's what they want. Okay. So, anyway, I know you don't think this is important. I'm telling you, there's a lot of people in this ecosystem. And I, I, I'm doing a very poor job of defending my position, but we, <laughs> you know, we've, we've had a series of, of alarmist claims about Trump. Uh, and they've all petered out and you're very excited and you think that democracy is going to be changed forever by, by this, this new threat. And I suspect it will peter out enough so that it doesn't make that much of a difference. We're, we'll have, if we have 30% of the population that thinks, uh, the election was stolen, we'll have 30% of the population that thinks the election was stolen. I do think there is, I do think there will be some right-wing terrorism. I think the left I think the alarms about that are completely valid. That uh, you know, if if the if Trump had won, there would have been riots, immediate riots in the street, stores burned down, looting, demonstrations, secession, all sorts of things. If Trump loses, there'll be nothing, but there'll be a few crazy right wingers who are extremely violent who will do something awful. And I think that's. I, I think all the other, the paranoia about that seems totally. There justified. are people who think that 30% of the population thinking their democracy is, their president is illegitimate, uh, and stole the election is a serious problem. I am among well, them. And I'm not four, even sure in, the number will be that low. Right now, the numbers aren't years, that low. There'll be another election. We only have to make it through four years until the, uh, another election. A, a classic, a classic example of hysteria is, uh, the New York Times when, uh, when Hunter Biden was, uh, it came out that he was being investigated. They tried to make the case that uh, that uh, well, you know, this is just Trump persecuting his enemies, and they and they refer to an article that had the list of Trump persecuting his enemies, and there's basically nothing on it. He hasn't persecuted his enemies yet. Remember when he came into office, there were all these charges. He was going to be like Putin. He was going to put oligarchs in jail. There were a few occasional whiffs of it, like he threatened CNN at one point. It didn't happen. Okay, all the right. hysteria no, his, was bullshit. Okay? As I said, his saving grace is his incompetence, and, and it wasn't incompetent. No, it is try. incompetence. He didn't oh. even try. He was show, he was he was at Rostow that says he was he was play acting. He said, "You know, 
Attorney General Barr should indict this person and indict this person and indict Biden. And then when Barr doesn't do it, nothing happens. Okay, that's not incompetence. That's like not caring. That's like that's not even trying. Yeah. Well, I mean, leave. leave, uh, And you know, Yasha Monk and 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 Masha Gessen and all these people who said he was like Putin, all bullshit. Well, the way we got Trump. And by the way, the, the people whose grievances he claimed he was going to address deserve to have a leader. They deserve to have a representative who takes seriously the, the questions they raised. But instead, we got Trump, this bizarro, creepy guy who uh, I personally believe only failed to do more damage to the republic because he's so incompetent. That's my belief. We differ on that. But... um but you just, given that their grievances gave us him this time around, I just don't want to let their, their grievances fester. I just, I just don't want to let them get worse. And they are getting worse. The things, you know, this election and the way Trump has handled the, the aftermath are making things worse. No, I agree they're making things worse. I just don't think they're, you know, calamitous to democracy. Although I, I, you know, he, it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's a very bad thing he's doing and it's, there's also a monetary uh, monetary basis for it, which is he's raking oh, yeah. in money. Well, it's a and grift. He, he, it's a grift he, for all concern. Could, could use he could use money. I it's mean, a grift not- for all concern. These people come on Bannon show like the guy who lost the election to Connor Lamb in Pennsylvania, and he's you know he's filed a lawsuit. And oh, by the way, you can contribute money to this. And then Boris Epstein, one of Trump's attorneys, comes on, and oh, my Twitter. My Twitter, he comes on like every day and says, Steve, thanks so much. My Twitter, my Twitter following has doubled since I started coming on yeah. your show. It's just like everyone is using this um, for their own purposes. What, is there a parallel effort on the left to make money off this? Well, there's a Lincoln project. So that's. Well, that's Biden a asked for money to help do the transition that initially was being denied him by but Trump. But nobody said stop Trump from stealing. Stop, stop the steal or or. Uh, nobody's, a, nobody's, nobody's, and there's a money making opportunity that could there be our for, thing. for somebody who, who, who wants to say, donate to me so I'll stop Trump we from could do that. stopping that could be, the steal. Um, I'm up for that. That's, that's your baby, Bob. I it's will stop the steal. No, you, you know what would be, you know, it'd be a good cause, actually, seriously. I really think even after inauguration, well, I, I think, Somebody should have done a good job. You know, one of the most explosive and effective pieces of, quote, evidence is that that videotape of the Georgia ballot counting, which I think has been successfully debunked, but not in a way that's effective for those who have seen the initial video. Nobody's done, so far as I know, the counter video, right? Like, yeah, here's what you saw. Here's what is also on the video. And that's why, you know, uh, what you saw was so misleading. I'm not sure you can make that video. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm. Convinced enough that it's but now I wasn't last week that uh, that it's been there's you know there's there, enough people have said it was legitimate that I'm not all that worried about it anymore. But um, uh, but I don't think you can make a video proving it to anybody. It, it, uh, and there's a, there's there's sort of the larger problem. It would be great. There, there may be other. I think you could make a persuasive video. There may be, uh, but isn't that what MSNBC is for? I mean, that can be done. Well, but that's that's the problem. It's kind of like the Hunter Biden thing. It's like they'd rather wish all this stuff went away than re- and they're and I think sometimes they're half afraid of what they'll find if they start looking into it. I think they right. very much were with the Hunter Biden uh, hard drive, right. and so 
there's no good debunking of the things that can be debunked out there. Now, again, the MSM doesn't have much street cred in Trump land, partly due to its own, you know, mistakes, yeah. I think. But what? I still think, like YouTube, did you hear that YouTube, uh, according to the Bannon podcast, which is where I get all my news now, but YouTube has, um, uh, they've said that now that, in fact, they said because Safe Harbor had arrived, which is a weird threshold for this, they were going to quit allowing videos that claimed widespread fraud or something like that. They're doing some kind of suppression. I think, right. I, I think t- Twitter has even taken down tweets that say, look at this crazy person expressing, you know, claiming there's widespread fraud. And then it, that it, you know, it retweets somebody claiming widespread fraud, but it's attacking them. They take that down, too, because it brings up the subject of widespread fraud. Well, maybe that's that's laudable, but I think the YouTube thing is just going to backfire. Well, I mean, to at least be symmetrical. If you're going to suppress one, suppress the other. It's not symmetrical. It's just mindless. They're saying... Well, just let me finish the YouTube thought. YouTube would be better off if there were videos debunking these things to have its algorithm bring those to the attention, at least be on the menu for people who are watching the original videos rather than than suppress it, which I think will just make things worse. Well, that, uh, I, I agree that it will make things worse. too. It's weird. I thought, like many people, I thought, well, gee, maybe I should try to start a, a neutral investigative uh, organization that would, you know, like that would investigate these things and not be biased like The New York Times and therefore be credible. Yeah. Uh I guess ProPublica was supposed to be that. But, um, and then I realized it would be the marketplace would kill it the way it's probably killing ProPublica. If you look at the list of, of, of most visited sites that came out last week, uh, the bizarre one is Yahoo. I don't know why Yahoo is number five, but the, uh, the lesson it has is you got to be either left or right. Sure. If you're in the middle, you're dead. Sure. Uh, so I think I, it's futile to start that at this at this moment. Uh, uh, I agree. So I, I, we're just going to have to learn to sift between left and right and figure out what's correct. Well, I think uh, and I think voters be, I think it, voters sort of do that. So. I think it would be worth trying to do a straight news. I, I I don't think that's what ProPublica tried. I mean, ProPublica does specific investigative missions. It doesn't put okay. out a daily you know thing, so far as I know, that is supposed to be. Uh, you know, it wouldn't take much resources to really try to do a daily summary. You just, it's very derivative. You just look at the different news sources, do a pithy summary of, of, uh, of things. It's doable and, and, and. Well, that's would... easy to do. A, 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 a website that, that, uh, gleans from everybody else's work and pronounces judgment, but that's called a Substack. I have one of them. No, but no, which, which newsletters take it as their mission to, 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 uh, provide as close as they can honestly come to an objective view. Using, 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 uh, using, adding extra reporting or just giving their objective view? No, skip the extra reporting. I don't know. My friend John Ellis has one called News Items that reflects his views, but they're, they're, that's what I mean. Neutral. Not that. Not well, it's that. hard, it's hard not to reflect anybody's views, Bob. You have to. No, but you can do your best to, to, to be an old fashioned newspaper. The kind that the New York Times well, used it, to be. At least try. At least try. It could be done. I, I, th- I think you would discover that you would make a good living for one person and not for two. Right. That is the problem. <laughs> but it would be progress. Um, um, uh, so what was the second big thing we were going to discuss or did we discuss it? You had two Trump big things. Will Trump fade away? 
Will Trump fade away. <laughs> and and I, I've read all the you know Jack Schaefer had something this week saying he'll fade away, and there was something by Yasha Monk in the Atlantic, and they, none of them. I I, I want to be convinced because it's in my interest to claim he'll fade away. And no, I, want, I don't think so. I want to see a new a new uh, standard bearer for Trumpism. I want Trumpism without Trump. Uh, but none of these arguments have persuaded me. No, and and uh, that's one thing he's doing with this election aftermath, I think, is ensuring that he will have uh, a pretty substantial and at least very fired up following. And again, I think this is the virtue of however marginal your success is, somebody trying for months to come to set the record straight on the more egregious uh, and egregiously wrong fraud claims. Um, Especially the powerful ones, like the videotape from Georgia. It's where does the left have an interest in helping Trump fade away, or do they have an interest, a financial interest, in keeping any Trump controversy alive? Because that's what generates ratings, and Biden is soporific. If they just talk about Biden, they will lose all their audience. I think certainly cable news wants to keep all Trump controversies alive, so they will help Trump in this. when really the effective strategy would be to ignore him. Well, there may be a separate interest the left has, which is that, uh, you know, what we're seeing now, I mean, look at Georgia, for example, uh, may lead to so much dissension within the party uh, that it's it's bad for their, their prospects in the general election. I mean, if a lot of moderate, you know, Republicans get primaried and replaced not just by like right wing Republicans, but like crazy right wing Republicans. We've seen in the past where that comes back to haunt them, right? Well, if yes, although uh, I agree that if they lose the Senate, if Republicans lose the Senate runoffs, that's a devastating, world changing blow to them, and the left has every interest in fomenting any dissension that that it can. After that, isn't it? It's pretty difficult for them to blow the House election in twenty twenty two. Republicans, seems, yeah, yeah. You, you generally it, win when it, you're not in the White House at a yeah, midterm so Biden election. Biden will do controversial things; it'll piss people off. And he, if he's as uninspiring as and mediocre as it looks like, he'll he'll even even McCarthy couldn't blow it. I don't think. I uh, think that's true. Now, as for uh, the Senate, I heard on the DMZ podcast. I hadn't realized this, but even if if they if they win both elections in Georgia and control the Senate. They can't do big stuff because I think it's Joe Manchin is opposed to changing the uh, filibuster rules or something. So Republicans will still be able to stop, say, D.C. statehood and maybe even major health care. I don't know. Is that true? Uh, it's sort of true, but but you, there's a question mark about Manchin. Is uh, that always? Good. Yeah, he's he's transactional, as they say in the business, Bob. You know what transactional means? Yes, it's what everyone is and everyone accuses everyone else of being. Yes. Right. But it means he's exceptionally open to changing his vote if he's made the right offer. Um, and, um, uh, you know, there's there there also there are things they can do in terms of uh, 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 senior moment. Uh, we should reconcil- know that we should reconciliation. Me, while we're and, waiting for your Sudafed to kick in, I, I should I, tell I, the kick. audience that you took it late. The, the the word is reconciliation. I'm looking for there. There, you know, welfare reform passed via reconciliation. Obamacare passed via reconciliation. You can do a lot via reconciliation. Okay. 
I asked I asked my immigration people, can they completely screw up? Can they give amnesty via reconciliation? And they thought no, which I was surprised at because it seems to me anything that affects the budget can you can stick in via reconciliation and you could make an argument. It doesn't have to affect it positively or negatively. It just has to affect it. It's hard to believe that amnestying 11 million people has a neutral effect on revenues. So, um, but, but with, I, but with I, like, I don't, yeah, I, I don't, I, I think they can do incredible damage through reconciliation. But, but DC statehood can only happen if they change the filibuster rule, right? Um, because I'd like to see that. I don't even know. It depends what the reconciliation, I mean, the reconciliation rules themselves are subject to disputes. So they're very so, arcane. So, I think the big problem with the reconciliation is they can only do it once a year. Mm-hmm. So they like have to cram everything into a big reconciliation bill. It eventually becomes unwieldy. Now, what's, and, your, um, what's your prediction on the Georgia Senate races? My prediction would be that Purdue will win and Leffler will lose. So the one who didn't show up but, for his debate will win. Correct. Just because Leffler is such a weak candidate and, and her charges against Warnock are maybe maybe this the, the latest ones you know that they've been saving about him resisting arrest or interfering with a interfering with an investigation into child abuse at one of this maybe that'll catch on but the charges that he's a socialist are you know they're they're like these charges that 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 make you think the other I think well I was perfectly happy to think he was a socialist until I read Lover's charge that he was a socialist it's like completely uh thin stuff. So, uh, but he does have these things he said when he was before his maybe before his political career started from the pulpit that I, you know, I don't disqualify him in my eyes, but I wouldn't think play well even among like centrists in Georgia. Like you can't serve God in the military, I, God and the military. It's no, like, that's I agree. There's damaging things. The question is, do people overlook that? Yeah. Uh, the way they looked, you know, re- overlook Reverend Wright's services uh, sermons, which are. You know, well, Obama he, did throw him under the bus and and leave that church. Maybe Warnock can throw himself under the bus and leave his own <laughs> church. I don't think I so. The uh, have you seen his puppy dog commercial? Yes, it's I good. It was effective. It's good. He, he's very appealing. He's an appealing guy, and Leffler is is not very appealing. So that's the problem. Now, I'm um, not saying they'll do. I'm not saying that these things won't do damage. I'm saying they won't do enough damage. Hmm. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe the Republicans will win both. Maybe but they'll lose both. But if you asked me to put my money on the line, that's what I would say. But apparently the thinking is that he is a more, in some sense, well, I don't know if he's a more vulnerable candidate than Ossoff in this calculation, but a more attractive target for Republicans because apparently Purdue spends more time talking about him than about Ossoff. Yeah, well, it but it may be that they realize that he is the bigger threat, so they better go after yeah. him if they want to win both of them. Maybe. Uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, so well, let's focus our ire on him. Their, their their strategy does seem to be to ignore Osof, and he's very ignorable, so that maybe that'll work. He's very I'm smart and articulate. With, he's just a little too smooth. I'm not impressed with uh, Republican thinking in these races. It's all the old the old style Bush playback of calling people socialists. I don't know if that even works anymore when Bernie Sanders does pretty well calling himself a socialist. 
I don't know. I mean, you know, Trump did it and a lot of people did it and, and a lot of Republicans did it in this election and, and the Republicans did a lot better than expected in the election. I don't know. That was for, I think, for a whole lot of other reasons other than calling people socialists. Maybe. For, uh, for example, defund the police. That's effective. Apparently. apparently uh, yeah, apparently. Uh, and, uh, and also Hunter Biden, whatever leaked out of that might have helped. Now, um, what is what do you think will become of Hunter? Do you think and, uh, uh, also the fact that Biden ran a passive campaign? He wasn't for anything. He was just for going back to the way we were. Sorry, go ahead. So, what do you think about the Hunter Biden thing? I mean, first I think of all, it stinks. I, 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 I if, you know, I'm I'm like John Chade in the P and the P tape. He said he was a P lever, and uh, and I tend to think that ten percent for the big guy meant ten percent for the big guy. And and that they were kicking back some money to or, you know, Hunter intended to whether Joe knew anything about it. Hunter was trying to get in the good graces of Joe by kicking back 10 percent. And it's exactly what it seems to be, which is they were letting the Chinese sluice some money Hunter's way. And he was kicking back 10 to Joe. I could you have could to prove be. That it's very hard, very hard to prove. Could be. Could also be that that's what they told the guys so that they, they would get bigger cuts for themselves and failed to mention it to Joe. Could be, you know, a lot of I'm not of saying things. Joe knew about any of this. Right. If you well, were then Hunter, that, you that matters. Hunter, well, you look, I'm sure Hunter Joe. did something illegal, of course. I mean, the, my, the, I think the big question is, will it, will it involve Joe? I, I, at a minimum, well, a, a guy that, that much of a train wreck can almost not help but commit income tax evasion, right? I mean, he doesn't even remember... Well, we don't know what happened with the laptop, but I don't know. But uh, I mean, the question of was Hunter picking up family expenses that otherwise Joe would have picked up? Yeah, mm. It begins to smell at some point. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what was alleged. Uh, the the problem I do have a problem, which is that I'm not com- not at all. Ex- I'm I'm not I'm, I'm insufficiently exposed to the left wing point of view on this. But oh, uh, I don't think it does said seem much to be of- at stakes. Um. I do think William Barr is interesting because it's it's looking like, you know, a decision was made not to do this before the election, right, in the Justice Department. Um, there was a piece to publicize no- it before the election. I think they were right. proceeding well, with it. Well, who knows? I'll bet they could have brought an indictment if they'd wanted to. And is and is that – well, I don't think they have enough to bring an indictment now. If they um, – if they if, no, they, right. if, if they had publicized it before the election – would it have helped Trump or hurt Trump? I think it could have gone both ways. Here know, is here Trump is doing a show prosecution. This just shows that he's Vladimir Putin and, you know, he persecutes his enemies and this is incredibly corrupt. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, I will say Rudy supposedly has access to the whole hard drive. And the only things he ever documents he actually cites involving Joe are... The 10% thing that we've discussed and that I think we agree is, you know, inconclusive uh, in and of itself. And then Rudy, today, he egregiously mischaracterizes that other thing about that cryptic reference to uh, giving Joe 50% of his income, which we've discussed before, could mean, you know, that, that Joe lo- loaned him money for law school. It could mean a lot of things. And Rudy just completely egregiously... Uh, mischaracterizes. Wait, it. I, I, I knew there was an innocent explanation for the fifty percent, but what was it? Well, uh, what I threw, what I said, look, by uh, it's uh, Hunter talking to his daughter, and and, and kind yeah. of 
he's whining about how he gets no appreciation and he's done so much for his kids. And he says, and I don't, uh, I won't ask you for half of your salary like pop or something. And I just said, well, could be that it's a fa- it's family lore that Joe loaned him money to go to law school, but demanded that he repay it. Uh, he, he get 50% of Hunter's salary until the loan was repaid. Could mean a lot of things. It's cryptic. But today on, on Pan and what, what, uh, what Rudy asserts, he says, there's a document in which Hunter says, for the past 30 years, I've had to give Joe a kickback of 50%. I mean, that, that's how he like paraphrases the, 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 the document. But the truth is, all there is is the cryptic reference and, uh, you know, he, 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 again, he's got the whole hard drive, but he never goes beyond these couple of cryptic things we have in terms of implicating Joe Biden. Um, yes, well, that's shame on Rudy, but the cryptic things are suggestive and one wants to follow them up. They, you would like to follow them up, but apparently you're going to have to look beyond the hard drive. Uh, well, know. let's do that. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, but, um. So I, I have high hopes for the Hunter Biden scandal. And what do you he hope it to be, will do? He seems to be the gift that keeps on giving. He is. But what uh, do you hope will happen? Actually, it's true. I don't hope it'll happen. I mean, I hope it causes Biden to be impeached so Kamala Harris becomes president. No, I don't want that. So um, a thorn on his side that punctures his uh, moral preening about Charlottesville. How about that? Yeah, that, that, ought, to, that ought to work. Um I, 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 hey, you know, we've, it, we've been is, doing this an hour, an hour, a whole hour. And we have so much else to talk about. Yeah, but there's the parrot room, Mickey. Yeah. I do think the, the press is sort of coming down harder on Biden than I thought. I mean, there are all these columnists talking about, like David Ignatius, about the lack of vision of his appointees. Now they have, they have to write about something. Uh, but, uh, but they're not celebrating, you know, the fabulous new normal that's here. They're sort of saying, God, this is dreary. That I thought Schumer said something interesting about Vilsack. You know, he, he served eight years of agriculture secretary, and they're bringing him back, okay? Uh, and and Schumer said, he's okay for four more years, but just four. Now, what no. did Schumer mean by that? Did he mean... Joe is Vilsack, only... He, yeah. Did he mean he wants Joe out of there in four years? I think that's what he meant. Oh... You read a lot. Joking? Of, he could have been joking. You read a lot into these things, but I, I think honestly, the expectation is that Joe's only good for four. And one question I have but is, but it's not Schumer's position to say that. No. One question I have is: to what extent is Kamala positioned to just be the unquestioned replacement? You know, will there be a big, you know, uh, a fight to replace Joe, assuming he does? Oh, he yeah. does step down after one term. You think no, so? No, I think there'll be a big fight. I don't think oh. Kamala is the heir apparent. I mean, oh. imagine Dan Quayle if, you know, uh, yeah, but, would, but he, the awkward would he run thing, for office? And, no. He's not but the be. awkward thing is, like, what if he doesn't say he's stepping down until, like, you know, 10 months before the election or something? Or The file or faster thesis. We can easily have a perfectly legitimate primary in a month. Can we? Don't worry about it. Okay. So, should we talk a little about the vaccine? I, I mean, look, the, the the pandemic is like, I don't want to be alarmist, but I think in the past week, like 18,000 people have died way more than ever in a week. Like, I think the week before was either twelve or 14,000. It's, it's alarming. Like, I was I was figuring 
I, I'm itching to take a drive you know, across the country. And it looked for a while like it was getting a little better and that might no. be possible. And then the it got worse. The coast is not clear. No. Yeah. Then it got worse. Um, um, and the, uh, you know, there's a story about supposedly Trump had the option of buying a lot more vaccines and failed or something. Well, I, I don't know about that. To, but a, a couple of points. What clearly one of these vaccines is going to be better than the other. So Trump's plan to have four vaccines and everybody will be happy with with equally with each one of them, and we've bought enough of them all combined to cover everybody. That's sort of flawed because everybody's going to want the good ones, whatever yeah, they turn but, out to be. But like, suppose like in four months, I'm not eligible, which apparently I won't be. For, for one of the good vaccines, but they say, hey, you can have this one that's 70% effective, and then you can take an antibody test and see if it worked. I'd be up for that. It's oh, yeah, that's, be, not it's, a, that's not a problem, but what if it has a few more severe side effects? What if it's only 50% effective? I'm up for that. You know, I, they, uh, well, maybe, they, I don't know, about 50, they, but they I... See, there seems to be a lot of optimism that all four of these vaccines would work pretty damn well that seems unjustified. Well, I think they, two they, of them were, seem to be comparable in effectiveness: right. Moderna right. They, and Pfizer. They they were right. They were right to to want diversity, but they were sort of a little over optimistic that they only needed a hundred thousand of of each one. Um, Seems to me you want two hundred. You want four hundred thousand of each one. <laughs> well, you 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 you, you almost right. need that because it takes two per person, at least at and, least and the Pfizer if, and the Moderna. And then, you know, and then if, if if it was enough for the U.S., then we could give any surplus to the rest of the world. That's well, that's fine. the other thing is like, uh, you know, this is really going to be kind of ugly in terms of just uh, the global distribution. It's just it's. Uh, yeah. it, but although, by the way, uh, China is making its available its uh, vaccine available to. Um, some countries that might not otherwise have access and, and people will probably start screaming that that's like, this is the Chinese menace we have to confront because they're, 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 you know, earning a sense of obligation from countries uh, by, by giving them back. There, there were these stories a few weeks ago that China's uh, vaccine documentation was flawed and everybody was laughing at their vaccine. Hmm. Uh, I, but they went away. So now everybody takes the vaccine seriously. I don't. I, I'd take it I, before I'd take the Russian one. Before I take Sputnik. Uh, uh, the um, there was an interesting piece by Mark Penn. I thought uh, he is a pollster. Uh, often writes pieces with Doug Schoen. He was Hillary's pollster. He's since sort of drifted a little to the right, I guess. Um, but it, it it pointed out that why are we the vi- it, it said you know forget the the frontline workers. Uh, he sort of fudges that issue, but. Why don't give the give don't give the vaccine to the essential workers who aren't frontline workers and there are a lot of them. Give the vaccine to old people. If we give the old people first and then then the seventy to eighty year olds and then the sixty five to seventy year olds, in two months or two months and plus, we've eliminated ninety five percent of the deaths from the virus. People stop worrying about the virus. The crisis goes away. We can mop up the rest of them at our you know as fast as we can, but. If if we can have a surefire path to to eliminating the crisis in two or three months, let's do that. Screw the essential workers. Uh, if they're young, they're not going to die anyway. Let's focus on the people who are going to die, and and get the virus over with as quickly as possible. And why are we so 
Why are we so focused on the essential workers anyway? Because they're the ones who spread piece. it. They're the ones who spread it. The people in nursing homes. Spread... If they're spreading it to people who aren't going to die, we won't care that they're spreading it. Yeah, but they're not. I, I mean, it spreads from person to person to person to person, right? I mean, I was having right. almost and, the, and the, the, the opposite But the people who thought. die are the over, over 65, so let's inoculate all the over 65s. And then we don't worry about this. I was having almost the opposite thought. I was thinking, look, if you inoculate the workers, everyone who works at a nursing home, and that's the only people who residents of nursing homes are having contact with, you don't even need to bother with the people in the nursing homes for now because they they don't go anywhere. So you could instead spend it on people who actually spread it, like essential workers, and actually, in the long run, maybe save lives. But people Um, want... Penn claimed that his was the maximum life-saving strategy. It was semi-convincing. The all the other point is people don't want just life-saving. They want to get back to normal. They want to visit their parents in the nursing home. So they don't want the only person to see the nursing home people to be essential workers. And if 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 everybody who's over sixty-five okay. is vaccinated, so they can't die from it, but, the but crisis you, is over. You might be better off. Letting each nursing home resident specify one cherished visitor who gets the inoculation <laughs> because they can spread it. <laughs> but anyway, can keep I say- it, keep it simple, stupid? Just do every do all the old people and then do the essential people. You know, one population that is rarely mentioned that I think I think two things: they actually should be in the first round of vaccination, and they may well be, but for some reason people don't mention them. And secondly, Joe Biden should have mentioned them long ago. And that's police. I mean, when, when Biden, I mean, first of all, they more than anyone have to have unpredictable encounters with exactly the kind of people who are not going to observe social distancing protocol, right? I mean, they have close range indoor conversations. Aren't they, they included have to, as frontline workers? Maybe, maybe, but I'm just saying as a political matter, given, given, you know, Biden's whole situation, you know, he has several times been talking about, well, we'll do the healthcare workers, and maybe he mentions teachers. I just don't understand why it's a political matter. He doesn't say, and police. You know, he's got uh, Democrats, Democrats. Could it be that he's overly influenced by the left? I don't, I just don't think it's occurred to him, but, but I don't understand why it hasn't, because, um, I think, I think the law and order issue did hurt Democrats during the election. This raises the issue of cluelessness. For example, he has this appointee for DHS. Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, yeah. who has a bit of a scandal in his past. He has a very damning Inspector General report. I think we've talked about it. Uh, and, 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 uh, you know, and he, he sets off hackles on the right so they can use this scandal. And does Biden know this? Did Biden know this when he appointed him? Was he adequately briefed? And you would think anybody, there would be like a, a dossier on Alejandro Mayorkas and I'd say, these are the pluses, these are the minuses. But as we know, information has a way of dropping out as it goes up the chain. I want to know how well-informed Biden was when he appointed him. He might have just thought, oh, Alejandro, everybody loves him. You know, he's a bit of a, he's actually a centrist. You know, mm-hmm. the, there's some people on the left who think he's too far to the right. So I'll appoint him. He'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that would be that would be incredibly telling if he wasn't well-informed. Well, even the Lloyd Austin appointment, uh, the Secretary of Defense, apparently— Nobody in the administration, you know, because this guy uh, only retired a few years ago, you you have to get Congress to give you an exemption from the law that says 
that nobody can be Secretary of Defense who's been in the military within the past, I don't know, seven years or something. And apparently nobody went to the Armed Services Committee and cleared it with them before the before this was announced and said, can can you do this for us? I mean, that's just that's just, you know, politics one on one. Well, and the same thing with the 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 VA appointment. I sort of like appointing somebody who pisses off the veterans groups, but they didn't know that it, they didn't check with the veterans groups to say, hey, we're appointing McDonough uh, to t- to sound it out. Uh, he just did it. And so now it sort of looks like a train wreck, even if it's not. Uh, you would think they would at least, uh, you know, get them on board. So Maybe Buttigieg, they couldn't get them on board. Buttigieg realized, didn't get that gig. I sure hope they, they there, don't make, yeah. There is an explanation for why he would appoint McDonough, uh, even though he's objected to by the veterans. You putting, you're putting your tin foil hat on. What is the, that explanation? The explanation is the 25th Amendment because the head of the Veterans Administration is one of the 15 people who will vote uh, on whether Biden's cognitive decline disqualifies himself from carrying out the presidency. He's got his buddy in there now. Yeah, I just wonder if they've even thought it through to that point. I, I, actually, I suspect that if it's an issue, if the if the cognitive status issue is influencing these appointments, it's just more the sense that, hey, we don't want people we can't trust having a lot of meetings and then leaking that he seemed out to lunch. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm beginning to convince myself of my own tinfoil hat. <laughs> but you are the one who is very said, dangerous. Very you are dangerous. the one who, unlike me, has a watched some of these, uh, you know, interviews Biden has done since the election. I can't and watch B, him you, anymore. But you said he did well. You said he did well. The ones I've seen, he's done well because the one that says. Hey, look how he mispronounces Becerra's name embarrassingly. I can't watch them because I don't like watching people humiliate themselves. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, on, in the debates, in, in the interview with uh, with uh, Holt of whose name I uh, don't call the 25th Amendment on me, boy, but Lester Holt of uh, NBC, yes. we're fine. Okay. No, I think he'll be okay for a while. <laughs> That's my uh, I'm more worried, but but I tell you, it just seems to me when you look at the various factors at play, including all of these aggrieved uh, Trump supporters, and again, the hardcore are a relatively small number, but they can do a lot of stuff, and uh, they're the activists. They they can be important activists, leaving aside you know whether they take yeah. up arms or something. And I just and, and then you got the Hunter Biden thing. You know, I mean, they've got so many, they've got more conspiracy theories than, than, than they know what to do with. And they ain't going away. Well, maybe and it's the, is there a dense pack of conspiracy theories? I guess not. They blow each other up? Yeah, no, they don't. They seem to reinforce each other. I think so. There's a unified narrative here. It's all the CCP. Uh, um, uh, which, by the should... way, also is responsible for the virus, in case you weren't aware of it. We could, we could start, uh, we could start an alternative to QAnon, some sort of uh, that would compete with it in the conspiracy space and maybe edge it out, but be slightly less slightly crazy. more moderate. Yeah, like uh, like, like we call after you WAnon after Bob Wright. Excellent idea. And what uh, would our position be? Like there is a conspiracy, but it doesn't involve pedophilia. Right. And there, you know, there is a, there is a, it involves the highest levels of the New York Times and MSNBC. And, uh, let's save that for the parrot room. 
Um, I don't know what else. It has to have some kicker. I'm writing down WNON for discussion in the pair room. Now, Mickey. Not not involves George Soros, I hope. Oh, by the way, that's one more thing about Bannon's podcast. It's like, you keep, he keeps bringing on these guys who are like, for a while, they're like, they sound smart. They're filing lawsuits. They're lawyers. Like I told you last week, for example, you know, Lynn Wood, he comes on, he's talking. I'm going like, ah, smart guy. And all of a sudden he starts ranting about communists and the government. And a few days later, he's tweeting that Trump should, Trump should declare martial law. So anyway, this other guy, uh, who's a lawyer from like the Thomas More Society or something. He's talking about the lawsuits he's filing. And then he starts talking about the aforementioned truck driver. And he says, what I want to know is, what is a truck full of ballots doing parked in New York an hour from George Soros's house? <laughs> like, you know, I don't have a lot of experience being a billionaire who's orchestrating a giant election fraud. But I think if I did it, I would not personally load the ballots onto the truck. I think I would delegate that and have it happen far away from my house. I mean, you know, this is and this is a guy who comes on repeatedly and sounds like, yeah, here's here's the latest progress in in the lawsuit. You know, it's scary. Also, he probably has a lot of houses. So probably everywhere in America is an hour from George Soros's house. There could be. You're right. There could be more than one flaw with this theory. Um, Um, So anyway, uh, we should. we yeah, should wrap it up. I'm I'm, dis- I, I'm disappointed that we only covered like four topics. Usually we cover like ten. That's what the parrot room is for. Okay. What are the other ones we're going to cover in the parrot room, Mickey? Oh, this doctor who claims he treated a guy with a swastika. Do we believe him? Doctor Swastikal. Okay, wrote that uh, down. What else? Uh, Mickey's confessions about Bruce Hershenson. What's that uh, last name? Bruce Hershenson, a conservative who died. Bruce H. Is Mickey implicated why in is, the death? Why yes. is every why, no? Why is everybody getting a blue check mark? Oh yeah, I want a blue check Josh, mark. Josh, Josh Hawley and uh, Bernie Sanders, their their united left right horseshoe fashion, asking oh, for more twelve hundred dollars. Josh what? Marshall, Josh Marshall, objecting to your cartoon about Tony oh, oh, Blinken. That, you know, I have a thing uh, or two to say about Josh Marshall room. in the parrot room. Parrot room. I'm not uh, kidding. I'm not kidding. I'm going to torch that mofo okay, in the parrot uh, room. Uh, um, well, those are some. I think I'm wandering into last week's topics here, but those are some. Uh, now, did you say Josh Hawley and Bernie Sanders? Correct. Two, na- two names rarely pronounced uh, in succession. Right. But there they've, we go. They've teamed what... up. And he and AOC also have Ooh. teamed up arguing for direct payments. And I'm all for that, despite... Being against cash welfare. How about so, that? So, Mickey, you know, the the, uh, the number of patrons, that is to say, the number of people who have access to the parrot room, and leaving aside whether they take advantage of that, are supporting our work. Right. Is that your phone? It's, an, it's a number I don't know. Still it doesn't even, in- ri- doesn't even rise to the level of potential spam. Forget it. I'm ignoring it. Man, you need a new ringtone. Is that or is that your spam ringtone? Does that recognize that's, spam no, and then a do sta- a bad ringtone? Just the standard ringtone. Ooh. Oh, another thing. Who should who should Biden's ambassador to the right be? Oh yeah, he's going to have an ambassador to the yeah, right, so, which okay, may be a good idea. That. Okay, you were talking about the parrot room. Sorry. Yeah. So. Uh, 
you know, people who go to patreon.com slash parrot room and can listen to our parrot room podcast or just have the satisfaction of knowing that they are supporting fearless uh, journalism of a kind that is all too rare. And, you know, Mickey, we now have um, 500 and I think 580 something patrons. And, you know, when we started this a few months ago, you remember all the the doubters and the haters who said, yeah, you may get to 500, you may get to 550, but you'll never get to 600. Remember them? No. No. <laughs> Neither do I. But I if they existed, they would be very close to getting their comeuppance because we're not far from 600. Okay? Um, and I, they I, I, are not far from their comeuppance. These people who m- might have existed even if they don't. Okay. Um. So punish these imaginary people. See, I've been listening to Bannon. I know how you get stuff done. There is an enemy out there. Um, And I think they're calling. Answer the phone. (laughs) Put it on speakerphone. I'm curious. Come on, do it. This is great TV. Come on, Mickey. Come on. Speakerphone. No way. Speakerphone. I never even heard of this area code that they're calling from. Okay. Uh, Um, But we should... What else? Our our newsletters. Mine is not zero... Uh, non-zero newsletter. Yours is Kaus Files. Your Twitter handle is Kaus Mickey. But it's Kaus Files on Substack. The KausFiles.com. I'm having glitches, which and I haven't fixed them yet. Okay. Whereas you can go to nonzero.org or go to the Substack Nonzero. Um, and uh, my Twitter handle is Robert Ryder. What else? Are there other things we promote? Uh. I guess we'll find out in the parrot room. Uh, good idea. Anyways, okay. we have a lot to talk about there, so we do. I and, will see you there. Uh, so I will see you there.